This show contains movie spoilers and swearing. Welcome back to another episode of Bite Size Cinema. I'm your host RJ McCready, and for this episode, I've got a real treat for you today. Um, I've got Christopher Saint Booth coming onto the show today. He is a man of many talents, shall we say? Uh, he's an 11-time award winner. One of those is for the Fright Night Filmmaker of the Year. He's a producer, director, composer, writer, actor, and author. Paranormal investigator. Um, He's made many films. Um, his latest ones um, is The Attached. He's been involved in films such as Dead Still, The Unseen. Um, he's also been involved in a rock band, which I want to go, go talk to him about. Um, so, yeah, Chris. Oh, and Chris, you also wear a cowboy hat, which I love, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to mention that cowboy hat. Lovely. I love it. Yeah. Welcome to the Lovely. show. Lovely, yeah. Thank you very much for having me. I actually have an array of different hats. Yeah. Um, I have a beautiful bowler cap that um, I got from actually Malcolm McDowell. You're from kidding Clark me. Recordings. So, no. No. I had the pleasure of meeting him at one of the shows. And of course, I had a fanboy moment. Because wow. Clockwork Orange I grew up on. Yeah. And uh, I realized that he was from, uh, I think he's from Yorkshire too. Uh And then that was it as soon as that happened, because I'm originally from Yorkshire. Mm. That was it. We were best of friends. So he was really sweet. That was really cool. Wow. Getting a bowler hat from uh, the man himself. Uh, Yes. That wasn't filmed too far away from me, actually, in Thamesmead, which it's famous for with that scene there. But um, yeah, that's great stuff, man. So, uh, Chris. Um, what I'm going to ask is, you can turn back the clock here, and like I say, I've had a little shout out to uh, John Campbell Hammond, by the way, um, because he was involved in your latest movie, which we'll talk about later, and he put me your way, he said, you know, RJ, you need to talk to uh, Christopher St. Booth and Philip, um, because they're two cool guys that I've worked with on set, um, so I thought I'd give him a shout out today. And when, when I've looked at yeah. your your profile, I've gone, wow, this is it's incredible what you guys have been up to, being filmmakers, paranormal investigators, and where that's all come together. Um, very inspiring. But how did how did that all start? Um, how did you guys come about? You know, being in the film business and you know, love of paranormal. Well, first of all, let me say a shout out to John. He's a sweet chap. Yeah. He donated his body on the set to be destroyed. Oh, did he? So, <laughs> yeah, he. We killed him on our on our latest film set. Uh-huh. Uh, a, a lot of crew will probably admit that we killed them too. Oh, right. Being that we worked quite long hours, but mm. being independent film, you, you can't really stop and say, you know, we'll pick it up when it's coming to the end end of the day. So, but anyway, it all started. Um, I'm, first of all, I'm a musician. Yeah. And um, I had moved um, to Los Angeles 
and uh, we started, you know, playing around. And that was back in the, you know, before Motley Crue was really Motley Crue, so that gives you an idea. Yeah, so wow. We were playing, yeah, we were playing with Troubadour and the Whiskey Gaga Rainbow and all that. And Motley Crue actually backed us up, which was, was you know, a wowzer factor now, thinking where they are. But uh, to, to ba basically, you know, we were playing all the clubs and all that, but to make extra money, we dabbled into film. Yeah. And um, we started actually working for Playboy wow. um, Enterprises, which at that time they were making very big budget erotic films and they were very big. They were like, you know, hundred, two hundred thousand dollars yeah. which is unheard of today for, you know, what they're doing now. But it was very big production. So we started as like PAs and slowly worked up to, diff you know, different, um, I want to say, Positions, but that sounds funny when you talk about Playboy. <laughs> but what oh, happened was uh, that's a great know, part, so. <laughs> so what, what we did is uh, we were doing everything like you know fetching the towels. That they'd be, but he actually paid more than rock and roll at the oh, time. Did it? Oh, right. You know, I was yeah. We were working on big films for like fifty dollars a day, and we worked on like for the um, people that remember a movie called um, Dreamscape. I do. Which had Eddie. App Eddie Alberton and um, I think it was Dennis Quaid. Dennis or maybe Quaid. His brother, I can't remember. Um, yeah. Max von Sandow uh, was in that as well. Yeah. yeah, it was about uh, the apocalypse at the end there. And then I worked on a bunch of TV shows and worked on a movie called Solar Fire, which had Charlton Heston, Jack Palance, and, and um, I was designing the um, musical instruments for the future and stuff. But they were only paying me cheap, so Playboy was paying me literally double. Yeah. So we just started working for them because we were just trying to survive in Los Angeles and do rock and roll, and no big deal. Didn't really think too much about it. But we ended up um, getting locked into that because uh, we started to, you know, we were very creative, so we started end up literally ended up writing, shooting everything for playboy and we did like over 82 films for them where wow. we were doing like two a month so that was a lot it was i want to say it was like boot camp but it was more like boob camp because there's so much <laughs> boobs going on but the thing is after a while we realized and i know it sounds funny because you know all your friends would say oh you've got it made you're working at playboy and i'm going right i didn't i i it sounds it was i mean you know, there was some nice people in it, but mm. there was a lot of sadness I saw and a lot of distraught oh, wow. from the girls. And it was getting really gross and really icky at the very end because the Internet was kicking in and things were changing for the adult business. And right. it was getting really gross. You mm -hmm. know, back then it was I know I'm not trying to justify it, but back then it was there was you had to have a reason to show sex on TV. Mm -hmm. So with our production value, they would hire us to make literally a great looking movie and then they would throw you know nudity and sex in it yeah. so but they needed the production design and we were shooting castles and we would do westerns with stage coaches and you know the whole thing i even used you know real guns like i even used the real white herb gun mm -hmm. you know i mean we got wow. everything because i was a i was a art director as well as a production designer as well as a producer so i mean i was able to get costumes from every top-notch Hollywood movie, you know, Elizabeth or Robocop or Waterworld, whatever movie, you know, had finished with their wardrobe, they would put in wow. to the warehouse and I was able to go in there and piece them all together and then give them to Playboy to create new product. 
So it was really a, a very rewarding job as far as design. Yeah. But after a while, you know, I don't think we were fooling anybody that we were making, you know, what I wanted to justify as real films. And so it was literally eating us away. So we had to get out. So we,、um, all the money we saved was to make our first horror movie, which is a movie called Dark Place. And Dark Place is a movie about a little boy. Locked in a box、yeah. in Appalachia, and what for ten days, and what would go through his mind. So it was a very psychological thriller, and basically his shadows came alive. And of course, one of the leading actors was the great and late Matthew McGuire, right? Which is chap from、uh, Devil's Rejects. He played Tiny and、um, Corpse, the、uh, Thousand Corpses. Wow! And he was. Fabulous to work with. He was so sweet. I remember driving him around on the set in my Range Rover,、mm -hmm. and I had to remove the front seat because he was so big he couldn't sit in. <laughs> so I had to take the front seat out、right. to drive him around. He was a sweetheart.、Mm -hmm. I mean, he was such a sweet chap. And that film that we did was the only one that that anybody really let him use his own voice and put no prosthetics on his face. Right. So he really was Matthew on it, and he、mm. got to act, and he loved that. And he was such an incredible-looking gentleman, and such a sweet soul. And I was really happy to work with him. And recently, though, on, right before we had finished posting that film, he、uh, passed away in Las、yeah. Vegas, and that was really a sad moment. But、um, we dedicated the film to him, and then you know it was released. It was basically his last film.、Mm -hmm. That he did, so that was Dark Place. So Dark Place did pretty good in、uh, Europe, but it didn't do anything really in America、right. because I think of the nature of the film. Because this film was more of a thriller, horror film, whereas more David Lynchy wasn't. But that time Saw was everything. Saw came out, and everybody wanted Saw, so it didn't really make the impact we hoped in the United States in North America. So. You know, you know, it was what it was. But we ended up doing trailers for a living for a couple of companies for a couple of months,、mm. and somebody came along and wanted to make another movie, and we went ahead and made that, and we shot that at the most one of the most haunted places in the United States, which was Waverly Hills Sanatorium.、Ah. Yes, I did see that on the because I watched Unseen today.、Um, because yeah, obviously I, obviously I couldn't get everything in. Uh, with time, and I thought I'll watch Unseen because it looks like something that is hitting on everything that you've done. You know, with what you said, it's parts of what you didn't see, obviously、yes. in the title. Yeah, and then when yeah, I saw、exactly. yeah. <laughs> when I saw Waverly Hills, I thought, oh wow, because I've, I've I've heard about this place, and、um, I liked what you said in your on the documentary. You said it was like The Shining, and I thought, wow, yes, it is, isn't it? You know, it's this isolated place by the looks of it. Um, some amazing stuff, and I also, Chris, what I like here is、uh, also what you said. I think it's a great concept where you said, you know, your film directors going onto a haunted location and then being haunted by the ghost. And I love that concept, as you know, as well. I thought it's great.、Uh, so, what was it like filming there? Well, when we got there, we were from Los Angeles, so it was like. We were British cowboys, <laughs> Los Angeles, arriving、oh. in Kentucky. 
<laughs> so that's Sorry. you know very me, um, beautiful people, really yeah. beautiful people in Kentucky, very sweet. But you know, it was and it was it was a very culture shock for us. But they were so nice. Mm. Everybody was so nice, and they all talk like this, they all that accent, sure. like yeah, yeah. this, and it was so sweet. You know, and um, so I, I got out of the car and I looked, and when it was literally like finding the Titanic ship right. in the desert. Wow. It's what it looked like sitting there. And then, of course, we went in there and it was just overwhelming. I mean, mm-hmm. um, I don't know if the scene on the, uh, the, scene on the unseen mm-hmm. is on that one, but when I first... Well, I was scouting in the death tunnel, which is a, a body shoot where they used to roll the bodies down and get rid of uh, That's right. thousands it, and thousands yeah. and thousands of people. Yeah, That is on me. Yeah. Hmm. yeah, and I got sick at the end of the tunnel. I felt really sick. And, of course, hmm. the other chaps left me alone because they went um, scouting on another uh, location next, next by, and they left me there. And I literally just couldn't handle it. I had a, such a fear come over me. Mm-hmm. And I took a photograph with my camera, a digital camera, and the videotape, a video was running on it as well right after that. And I ran up 500 feet, because the tunnel's 500 feet, to the top. And I just felt so sick. I just felt so sick. I just wanted nothing to do with this right now. And so mm-hmm. when we got back to Los Angeles, I started looking through what we shot, the pictures for the location scouting, and then on the picture right in front of me where I felt that fear was a little girl, and she looked like she had no eyes standing right in front of me. Wow. And then on the videotape, there was a scream at the same time, and it wasn't me. You know, it was, yeah. you know, a, a little girl, and I just went, oh, my God, and I got, that was it. I was intrigued. I was signed up to... You know, I was fascinated by the paranormal, and then we shot the entire movie there in Death Tunnel, which is on yeah. Sony Pictures, mm-hmm. and um, it was released in the UK, and um, it did really well for us. It became a cult film, and um, that was our first paranormal experience, and it's full of paranormal abnormalities through the whole film. There's EVPs yeah. there, there's uh, shadow people going mm-hmm. through it, there's lights, all kind of stuff, so it was a really haunted you know know, here we went to film a haunted place but find out it really was haunted and Mm. we became intrigued and we made a documentary about us filming there and then universal television over here in america um sci-fi channel bought that and and aired that and that was the start of our career working for sci-fi channel for 10 years wow I must admit, Chris, yeah. I do like the, as I said to you just a minute ago, the concept of you being like cowboys, paranormal investigators, going to a real haunted location to film a movie. Uh, it's great. I love. I just love and that concept. Find out it re- and find out it really is. Yeah, yeah, yeah this is it. And, that, and the thing is, that's what that did give me a bit of a laugh, if I'm honest with you. And uh, yeah, you, you guys just seem great. Do you know what I mean? You sort of bounce off each other so well. Do you know what I mean? I know your brothers, twin brothers and that. And uh, yeah. I, just thought they, I thought these guys just seemed like a couple of just nice guys, do you know what I mean? And it's really good. And also very um, inspirational for the time, do you know what I mean? Right now with everything, and I just think that's great. Um, well, yeah, we, we, we're very, I mean, we've become, we've always been spiritual and yeah. always um, very um, creative. I mean, music, um, everything from music to films and and I just, I think everybody, I mean, the way I look at it, I mean, 
you know, coming from Los Angeles and meeting, yeah. you know, where a lot of people would find very hillbilly-like mm. or very, you know, a lot of them would pull people down. I found them very sweet and I felt these people actually would have your back. It's kind of like, I mean, you know, when I was in Yorkshire and then I would go to a bigger city and they would be more colder in a bigger city, but in the north of England, they were very, very, you know, abiding, so to speak, if you know what I mean. They were very sure. more family orientated and it was that way in, in this part of America. They were very, they would do anything for you right away, you know, mm -hmm. right away. You didn't have to know them. I mean, they were all calling you baby and darling, and I'm going like, all these girls like us, but no, they call everybody baby <laughs> and darling. You know? So it was like, oh, okay. I'm sure they did like you, Chris. <laughs> um, yeah. Now there was. Now, I they need to did. bring. I now. I now need to bring this up because there's there something on that documentary that did give me a bit of a chuckle, if I'm honest with you. And it was you getting into an aeroplane that's made of duct mm. tape. And you fearing yeah. for your life, and that sounded like a very funny story to me. Flying over the Mojave Desert, desert or something. <laughs> yeah, that beautiful desert. That's the Mojave Desert, right next to Death Valley. That if you go down, you're talking 116 degrees, and yeah. you can. It's pretty. But it was my friend who, who um, he was actually part of the family of the Wright brothers. Oh, okay. So yeah. he actually was, you know, a descendant of the Wright brothers, and he had this old. Um, uh, a spy plane that mm. you know was from World War Two, and it w it had to be made like it was half glider, so that they could glide without the motors being heard. Right. But so it's basically made out of tape. And so you know, he goes, "You want to go in it?" I go, "You kidding me?" There was no seatbelts <laughs> in it. Yeah. He put his, you know, a belt from the pants, <laughs> your trousers as his seatbelt, and and you know, the gas gauge was a cork yeah. floating. <laughs> right you know and all this stuff so i said well what the fuck right so i went yeah. and I, we got in it and then i remember phil going over the radio he goes he goes be safe up there chris but listen if you don't make it back can i have your jag <laughs> 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 so sensitive he was yeah so fine. No, no, no problem at all i don't make it it's fine at least know someone's gonna be looking after my jag by the end of this yeah. is fine <laughs> Yeah, very. He was so sweet by saying that. Anyway, um, <laughs> once I got up there, yeah, it was magnificent. Mm -hmm. It was so. It was like it. You know what it was? It was like Road Warrior in the air. It really was like that. It was, yeah. you know, it was like I was Mad Max up there. It was yeah. fabulous. I didn't want to get down, but when it did come, when it did have time to come down because we were running out of gas, right? Mm. What happened was he goes, well, we'll pull the wheels down and he pulls a lever and the wheels are supposed to drop. Mm. They didn't drop. Oh, and that's he, what he actually yeah. tells me, he says, Chris, because I had these big boots on, he goes, just kick the wheels down with your boots. <laughs> I go, what? He goes, yeah, kick the wheels down. So I kicked the wheels and eventually they went down and then we made this really hard landing, but I would do it again in a second. It was fabulous. No, it, was it, so much fun. It, it did make me laugh. And like you said, I think the road war, it, that did come across like that, if I'm honest with you, like you being Mad Max up there. I did think yeah, it was like well, Mad Max. We too, saw yeah, the chap sure. I was with. So yeah. He was sort of a, that was crazy, Bill. He was fabulous. Oh, fantastic. That's what I loved about The Unseen. There was bits in it that just surprised me. 
if that makes sense. And then that bit came up, and I just thought it just gave me a laugh. So I, I, <laughs> it was good. Um, so moving on, Chris, to one of your recent movies, uh, The Attached. Now I do like the concept of that, where it's to do with—is it objects that are haunted? So you've got to be careful of what you, you know, pick up or possess because it might have a spirit or an entity in it. Is that right? Well, the concept, yeah, it, it pretty much the. Concept came to me that like, you know, like um, I was uh, propping movies, you know, when we were even when we did Death Tunnel, we actually used the real um, gurneys and the real needles and all that that was found there hmm. and to prop the movies. So they actually weren't from Hollywood. These were the real gurneys that people had died on and the real wheelchairs that was you know, pushed around in 1917 and all that. So I kind of prop movies at the same time, being a production designer as well as a producer. And so I started getting, you know, different props for different shows. We've been doing Children of the Grave, The Possessed, all these different movies we've been doing. Um, so I brought something and I suddenly, um, we were doing a, actually, I don't know if you knew this, but we did the, we were the first people ever to go into the real exorcist house and do a paranormal investigation. Ah, uh, I just skipped over that. I was going to come back to that, but let's talk. But yeah, let's talk about that quick. Well, well, um, well we can jump to that. Yeah. But reason why is I got a copy of the real diary right. of the That's exorcist. Yeah. So with with getting that, and which is very scary because hmm. here you have. This is not like made up. I mean, you know, this is written by 14 priests, yeah. all put together by Raymond um, Bishop, uh, Bishop Raymond Bishop, actually his name is, and um, Reverend Raymond Bishop. And um, it's very scary to read. It took me a long time to read it, and I know sure. we're going to go into that. But the concept was that with the attached was that I was getting all these real objects, and then suddenly I was something came up and. There was this exorcism box that was available and no one would touch it. They were scared and a priest was trying to get rid of it. And yeah. he wanted to get rid of it and he gave it to his niece because he had passed and his niece was scared and she knew what I did and she asked me if I wanted it. So I, she actually sold it to me for a very low price. No one else would buy it. And um, it's the real exorcism box from Annalise McKell, which oh is God. the real exorcism of emily rose movie yeah so it's a real box from germany it was built in 1898 it was used in her exorcism in 1974 i believe in 73 74 and um it's very scary in the thought of when you know that case but i remember when it arrived so it kind of like one thing after another started arriving that was you know known to be in a tragic experience with was a raggedy and doll where someone was violently murdered wearing a raggedy and t-shirt and had a raggedy and doll and then this was the doll that was moving or and he didn't you know whether you know it was a bone sauce from asylums or wow you know whatever it may be i mean mm -hmm. even old doctor's bags that was written you know it actually has which is really weird says dr jekyll on it even though Dr. Jekyll was a fictional story. It was just very bizarre what was starting to go on, including I was getting, you know, I was buying different pieces from auctions, voodoo stuff and stuff from Thailand and stuff. Yeah. Then there were letters hidden inside these boxes and they turned out to be very old 
you know, hidden letters that you know, nobody knew. So it was getting crazy. So we made a movie about it. We made a movie about what happens when you bring things home. Like, mm. for instance, like, you know, you're driving down the alley and somebody, this beautiful chair sitting there going like, why would anybody throw that away? Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. Well, you see, there's a reason, right? And, you know, a tragic experience possibly. And a good memory can be with that. Usually no one gets rid of a good memory, though, you see. So um, we started getting all this stuff and we just told some stories. So the attached um, goes into seven different stories. One is the real exorcism box yeah. of Annalise McHale and what happened when I opened it. Then there's um, the story of Emily and Adam, which are two dolls that are from the turn of the century and emily and adam were real children that died in a drowning accident and their father was a doll maker and he grabbed their uh, hair after they died and sold them onto mm. these dolls <laughs> and these dolls are known to channel the spirits of emily and adam right and emily actually blinks she really does blink mm. by herself and she's a doll it's really bizarre she's very sweet and very beautiful um, and stories like that, you know, John Wayne Gacy's paintings were hidden in an armoire and these people have bought this armoire not knowing that. Yeah. And then suddenly the room is full of clown sounds and craziness and, and scary, you know, chants in the middle of the night. And just many stories like that and a, a beautiful story about and one of the most incredible asylums I've been to is St. Albans Sanatorium in Virginia mm -hmm. where a woman had taken her life after she a miscarriage and she hung herself oh yeah and we filmed yeah. we filmed in that room and um we were able to capture the recreation of that um tragic event through uh, paranormal evidence um through the different machines and the different uh, boxes we had as well as on the camera so it's a very powerful thing but it makes you think next time you go to you know a second hand store and oh, yeah. thrift shop like well, you know, I, were you going to touch that shit, right? I am one of those people that does like an antique store, you know. it's I love spending time in there, so it certainly made me think. I kind of had that sort of idea in my head uh, before, but that's kind of beefed it up for me now. <laughs> and, yeah, um, well, I mean, uh, it's true, though. I mean, yeah, imagine you go to like a, a clothing store, right? An old clothing store, and that person wore a suit, but maybe he was... A bad person mm. and now you don't think the energy you yeah. know i mean i this yeah. is well, i mean yeah. this is how ghosts are you see yeah. if you know you really people say you don't i've never seen a ghost you never captured a ghost well i've really never saw an apparition i've seen a lot of things pretty close to it but like uh, as far as a full-on apparition except for possibly i thought i did see one uh, a couple of years ago, actually, I thought I saw Annalise McKell in my bloody basement. Yeah, I saw this uh, woman walking around in my basement, which freaked me out. I don't know, but what it is from? It's from tragic events that creates, leaves over, uh, you know, uh, you know, residual haunting or almost like a stain, or as you know, some kind of smell never goes away in a place. Yes, a musty yeah. smell yeah. you can't get rid of it. That is what really a ghost are something that happened that whatever reason they can't you can't get over it yeah good bad tragic whatever you know or not even know i not even knowing you died like a soldier or mm -hmm. a child that's too young to understand 
and that's what the attached is about. Well, it's interesting what you say about the smells because um, my partner Becky, she has a teddy bear that she's had all her life, and uh, she says that it smells like her granddad, who passed away many years ago. Yeah. She said she's put it through the wash, even it's come out and it still smelled like her granddad. And um, I think the other thing yeah. with the with with these conversations as well, and I've mentioned this before because I do I um I do a podcast where I do mysteries as well. And I've looked into this stuff. And I think generally, when you talk to people, a lot of people do do get involved with these conversations and say, yeah, that's happened to me. Or, you know, I might have seen something strange or I've walked into a room and I feel like something's walked over. You know, that old saying, it's someone's walked over my grave or, you know, you get that sort of tingly feeling. So it is quite a common thing, isn't it, amongst people to a fairly high percentage, I would say. You know, in conversation about well, gut feeling. Hmm. A gut feeling is they say gut feeling is it's your intuition, and your intuition or your gut feeling is is basically the universe, or if you believe in the the angels yeah. actually telling you to stay away, or you know, like don't get on that, you know, that that freeway today. You have this gut feeling, and oh, yeah. sometimes you don't listen. You say, "Damn it, I should have listened to my my <sighs> gut," you know, and that is really why you know you should probably listen mm. to something that you have i have no idea why you're not listening to something that you have yeah because the reason you feel it you know there's a reason that you feel it and you need to really look into that and i know that death tunnel spooked the ghost of wave of sanatorium was the first um paranormal major paranormal experience I want to say that, but I mean, I, 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 me and Philip thought we saw, you know, a, a woman in our bedroom when we were ten, and this woman seemed to come out of our closet, and it was like all kind of things going on, and we were screaming. And our mom came in, what's going on? And we described her. She says, "Oh my God, that sounds like your grandmom," and I just got a call, um, and she just died. Right. Okay. You know, so those things are very real. Yeah. And it's up to you, up to you whether you want to believe them. And I have to say that, to me, the world is much better when you believe that there is something at the end of the road, which I believe you move on to a higher source because sure. everything is about climbing. Mm -hmm. It always has been. So if you think death stops you, I think, I mean, my personal opinion, I think that's not a, not a good outcome to think. I mean. You grow, you keep growing, involving planets do it, you know, everything does it. You know, they either die or they fertilize, when they die, they fertilize and they reborn and they give life to something else. You know, it's kind of like yeah. the breath that the breath that you breathe, right? Yeah. That the breath that you breathe out is the breath that I actually breathe. Mm -hmm. And they've proven that people over, say, in America or over in Europe, they breathe. And by the time the the winds actually carry all the breath over. We're actually breathing what you breath, you know, breathed out. Mm -hmm. And if you think of that in a big concept, that's pretty powerful. Oh yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Now there's a lot of these, uh, uh, like I say, powerful energies and concepts and what you're saying. And like I said, I think there's a lot of people that get involved with these um, conversations like that. So moving on. Um, Chris, I'm just gonna. I know. I know you've got a new film coming out, and I'll leave it to you what you want to talk about this film. But uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about this uh, new movie that you're bringing out? Well, Never Blink mm -hmm. is is based on science fact, 
And so when you blink, it's about 0.3 seconds as how long you blink for. Yeah. It averages around about th three minutes in an hour that you blink. And it's about 48 minutes a day that you literally blink in a day. So when you blink, you actually go into darkness and your mind fills in the gap so you don't fall over and lose your balance. And so it's actually a fake image that your mind gives you. This is real. So imagine if you remove that fake image and you were able to see what was in the blink, which is the darkness, right. which is the world that um, the supernatural moves around in. Um, vortex paradigm world moves when you blink. That's why you can't see them. That's oh. why you can capture them with a, a certain frame camera. Sometimes I've caught caught many vortexes by uh, you know a certain amount of frames of as you know in the blink of an eye, so to speak, or in the corner of the eye. I saw that in the corner of my eye or the blink of an eye. Yeah, we've created a movie that shows you what you're missing when you blink ah, that's, that's quite a scary concept as well when you think about it <laughs> <laughs> it is because it's based on true facts yeah and, uh, yeah so in this one we have somebody that comes gets to you when you blink that is kind of reminding me a little bit of hp lovecraft type and also a little doctor who-ish except doctor who had the the weeping angels move up this one you actually um we actually use um, camera recorders on your eyes that wow. actually scientifically uh, transpose it into what you're seeing right. when you're blinking and you go actually into another dimension. Actually, it's 11 dimensions you actually go into. Uh, it's just true science. And we've been able to uh, you know, use the real science and develop these things, but film it, but also tell a, a good horror story out of it what would happen if you could actually go into the world of blinking mm. and it's pretty creepy love the concept yeah that is an interesting i'll be interested to see how that turns out plus um, john campbell howard is in that film as well so i'll be interested to see how that turns out for him as well well we all know how he turns out i'm afraid right okay <laughs> um, on the floor bloody oh the other thing I was going to say, Chris, just before um, I close the show up, I should have mentioned this at the beginning of the show, just out of interest, where you are a filmmaker, um, is, is, there, is, there, is there any other filmmakers out there um, that have inspired you? I'm talking about from like possibly a younger age, sort of back in the old generation of filmmakers. Is there someone out there who's kind of made... Oh, definitely. You know, yeah. Definitely Ridley Scott. Right. Uh, Clive Barker. Yeah, Clive Barker. Razor. Yeah great stuff alien you know mm -hmm. uh david lynch yes I all the great all the masters of weirdness and because ridley being brilliant with his lighting which we um you know spend a lot of time lighting our films and production value we we don't spare anything you know even in documentaries we, we take a lot of time to do it right down to the music you know so it's like uh, i'm just inspired by very people that really care about their craft and you know no one's better than ridley i think sure and uh you know those and that's very 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 incredible gladiator being one of my favorite films, oh i think that touched you know? everybody that film didn't it especially the soundtrack yeah and everything, didn't it yeah and blade runner too blade runner you know great film you know uh -huh. um clockwork orange simon you know uh kubrick Stanley kubrick of course the shining and i i had the pleasure of actually staying in in the in the stanley hotel where you he wrote are. it 
Oh my actually god! Actually, in wow. Boom Two Seventeen, I stayed in. Actually, oh wow! I actually um, just covered uh, the Shining before this. That, that was my last episode, and we we went in deep. We tried to work out that that's one of those films which is a great discussion point. Um, clever, very, very clever film. Um, but no, all, all those names there because uh, um, I'm part of the Legion Podcast Network, and there's other fellow podcasters that do horror. Um, uh, shows and they love all those directors as well do you know what I mean big hitters out there so um, uh, so yeah alright Chris well listen um, thank you very much for coming on to the show today it's been an absolute pleasure uh, talking to you today and um, the, before I close the show um, I know that you're going to a is it a uh, is it a horror con or something like that is it this weekend you're doing a- <laughs> we're going to uh, several con this whole month. We're going to DeadCon this weekend, which is in Fort Wayne, Indiana, in the USA. And um, uh, all the horror stars are there, and uh, we're there. And we have like uh, 40 feet of funness that we're actually bringing our haunted objects there. Oh, right, and God. then after that is Scarefest, and we're actually doing a whole museum where I bring everything from the attached and people get to actually, you know, look at it and touch them. And yeah. and then we sell our films and books and, and music there as well. So it's it's always a lot of fun. And then, of course, there's parties at night to get some real spirits going, right? I'm sure there is. Yeah, I'm sure there'll be a bottle of scotch in there, eh? <laughs> well, I don't know about that. I'm, I'm not good on scotch. I end up definitely seeing a lot of spirits at I, that point. I, I, must, I was going to say, Chris, as well, because when I watched um, Unseen, there was some Q&As on there, and one person came out and said, oh, uh, Chris, Phil, has uh, doing all this paranormal stuff made you give up drinking? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, what a great I, I question. The, <laughs> I think at the end of the day, especially after Children of the Grave, yeah. which uh, you haven't seen that one yet, but that's where we actually captured 10 shadow children walking in the woods. Oh, I saw that That was picture. so yeah. overwhelming mm. for me yeah. that I had to go back and just kick back and literally celebrate saying, but like, and we would actually just fall on the, the hotel bed and go like, oh my God. You yeah. know, that's what you do. Like, we've caught it. Yeah. We, like, when we did the real Exorcist house, what we found is just like, oh, my God, you know, it's real. And this is that's what's scary is when you find out what you don't know for sure. We find out that it's real. Yeah. And it's scary. Yeah. So then you have to look at it with a whole different point of view so that you're able to sleep at night and you're able to. Because once you face your fears, you can move on. So. You know, we've been doing a lot of that. But thank you for having me. I appreciate it. No, it's been great. I'm going to say I've really enjoyed having you on the show. And I knew, you know what, I had a feeling it was just going to be a great conversation. You know, doing some research on the lead up. I was was pretty excited today to uh, be talking to you. I was going to say that I could smell the Yorkshire pudding cooking over there, mate. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's it. Nothing much changes over here, Chris. There's still no, uh, nothing still, wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. There's still Jaguars <laughs> uh, floating around. You pick up a Jaguar for 275 quid, you know. So uh, there you go. <laughs> okay, Chris, this has been great. So uh, there you go, everybody. It's been uh, uh, Christopher St. Booth who's come onto the show. As you can hear in my voice and Chris's voice, we had a great time today. 
please go and check out all his films and his music as well and um, talking about his music in fact I'd, what I will do is I'll just do a little bit of admin for the show before I close it um, I am a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network so please go and check out all the other shows on there including my other podcast the Mystery Vault Podcast where I talk about all mysteries and spooky stuff um, you can find me on Spotify iTunes and several other players on the internet if you put in Bite Size Cinema into Google and I've also got a Facebook page where I'm most active as well so let me know if there's any movies that you want me to review um, I will be back soon with Mr. Bo Ranzel for Night of the Living Dead, so look out for that episode. Um, but before I close the show, Chris has very kindly let me play one of his songs um, as like an outro. And it's from his album, uh, Elysium, and the song is called Fall and Rise. So sit back, enjoy, listen, chill out. And as always, people, keep it bite-sized, keep it safe, and I'll see you soon.
If you enjoyed this show, then make sure you check out the other great shows on the Legion Podcast Network, like Cinema PsyOps, Cinema Beef, Devour the Podcast, Duncan and Bo Come Correct, Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast, Friday the 13th, Get Slayed, The Hell Ming Power Hour, Hello, This is the Doom Show, Hero Hero Ghost Show, Kill the Cast, Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, Jerry Hates Action, Legion After Dark, Mental Health, Obsessive Cinema, Discourse, Pick 6 Movies, The Podcast by the Cemetery, The Podcast on Haunted Hill, The Psycho Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Witch vs. the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found.